If you have a Bible, you can pull it out. We're going to be looking at a few particular passages. We're going to have some things on the screen. I will say that the PowerPoint isn't going to be quite as extensive. I was a little frustrated earlier myself, Josh, whenever my PowerPoint got uh, erased before I could send it to the UpDrive. So that was had me a little discombobulated this morning. But in the grand scheme of things, we're not going to let that be too big of a deal. We've been t- sharing for the last couple of weeks a series that we entitled kind of in a way, hopefully just to help communicate, Be the Moon. And the whole idea of being the moon was, was kind of using the moon as an analogy for us to see how we might be able to serve God better. Of course, the first installment of Be the Moon was that as, as the moon reflects God's glory, you and I are supposed to reflect God's glory. And we talked primarily about how we reflect God's go- glory through our attitude, which was the attitude of Christ, which is ultimately obedience. That was two weeks ago. Last week, we talked about be the moon as we reflect or as we shine God's light on others in the world. Just as the moon reflects the light of the sun, so you and I, as believers, are to reflect the light of God in other people's lives. Today, we're going to be looking at part three of be the moon, if you will, which is really the concept of influencing others. You know, according to to the National History Museum website. Go to the next slide for me, Brendan. There's a quote there. It says that there are three main ways in which the moon influences life on earth. See, the moon has a true physical influence on things that happen on the earth. Those three things are time, which is how we get our seasons and things you know rotate by the seasons, and the moon affects this or influences this, the tides, and then, of course, light. Now, I want to read to you a couple of very interesting passages from the Old Testament because oftentimes God's Word reveals to us things that they may not have even understood as the writer, okay? In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 35, I want you to hear what the the prophet says. Who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars light by night who stir up the sea so that its waves roar? The Lord of hosts is his name. You see, even here in the prophetic utterance, the Bible says what? It's the moon and the stars that fix the time and the seasons and even do what? Affect the tides. Psalms 104, verse 19, the psalmist writes, He made the moon for the seasons, and the sun knows the place of its setting. So even the Bible understands the natural reality. That should not shock us that the moon has tremendous influence on life on earth. And this leads us to a discussion about how you and I, as the pinnacle of God's creation, are to influence others for him. Now, many of you are or have been very influential in your lives. There are people in here who I consider to be, by all measurements, very influential. People watching this who have been very influential in their lives. And I know many of you want to be a better influence for God. And so as we think about the idea of being the moon, we want to focus on how do we become an influence for God in the way that we live. Now, there are a number of examples of people who have been very influential for God and demonstrated 
in various ways for us how to influence others. I was just making a, a list there of some of the people from the Old Testament. I was thinking about Esther. You remember the story of Esther? Esther was the queen of Persia who was chosen, and she ultimately used her influence on the king to bring about kind of the redemption in many ways of the Israelite people. I was thinking about Nehemiah. Nehemiah, who was a cupbearer away from Jerusalem, but who became burdened by what happened to the walls and to the city of Jerusalem. And so he used his influence to impact the kingdom of God. I think about all sorts of prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Zechariah, all these people used influence. Go to the New Testament. You've got the disciples who many were just normal, everyday, average people from all walks of life, but somehow were became tremendous influences on others and on the world. Of course, Jesus is the prime example of someone who influences other people for God. I mean, by all measures, any statistical measure you use, Jesus Christ is the most influential figure to have ever been on the earth. Even our calendar is set by him, so much of our history and all of the different things, even though other world religions recognize him as this tremendously influential individual. And so as people of God, we're called to be influencers of others. Now, if you're like me, you have to admit that we're not always the type of influence on others that we would like to be. If you think that you're batting a thousand and that you're 100% there all the time, this isn't for you. Number one, we need a place you need to go because you're delusional. You're not getting it right all the time. And so I want us to look today at a man who was a tremendous influence for God, but he didn't just get there right away. It took him a little bit to overcome what we're going to look at as five barriers to our five barriers that keep us from being an influence for God. And when I say barrier, we might substitute some other words. We might say five excuses. We might say five obstacles, but these are things that keep us from influencing others in the way that we should. Now, the person we're going to look at is someone who was very influential, one of the founding figures after Abraham for the Jewish people, and that person is Moses. My boys and girls probably remember Moses from some of the famous stories that we have in the Bible. Moses did what? Moses parted the Red Sea. Moses was the one who went up on the mountain and he got the Ten Commandments. Moses was a very influential person in the history of God's people. But Moses wasn't always that way. As a point of background, Moses started off his life as someone who wasn't completely attached even to his family. He came from somewhat of a dysfunctional home. Because of what was going on in Egypt, he ends up in the river and he gets pushed down the river because his parents want to save him. God works miraculously. He ends up in the house of Pharaoh with Pharaoh's daughter and he's raised as an Egyptian. And from there, he has a series of unfortunate events in his life that lead him away from Egypt. And we're going to talk about those in a minute, those unfortunate events where he was trying to do the right thing, but he did the wrong thing and he got caught and they didn't like it. And all this was a big problem. So he kind of left as a you know, kind of a you know, black sheep of that family. He's no longer a part of what's going on in Egypt. And it's while he's gone that we encounter his story in Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4. Now, the 
entirety of our text is too long to read this morning, but it's all of chapter 3 and then through verse 17 of chapter 4. And I want to encourage you to go and read that after we're done because it gives you basically the encounter that Moses has with God. Some of you may remember that this encounter begins as Moses is out shepherding sheep. He comes across what to his eye is a bush that is on fire, except for the fact that it's on fire, but it's not burning up. So we see this in Exodus chapter 3. It says, one day Moses was tending the flock. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a brush or a bush. So it was engulfed in flames, but it didn't burn up. Moses, like any of us, is like, this is amazing. This is odd. What's going on here? All right. Then to further um, get weird, he hears a voice that says what? This, in essence, and I'm paraphrasing here, this is holy ground. Take off your shoes. So Moses is doing what he does as a shepherd. He comes across a bush that's on fire, that's burning, but it's not burning up. Then he hears a voice, which he perceives to be the angel of the Lord. It says, hey, take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. And at this particular point, Moses encounters God. And in this particular encounter, we see in the next several verses that God wants to use Moses to influence his people in Egypt. So God has a specific, important, strategic plan for Moses to become an influence on others. Now, I have personally never seen a burning bush. I've personally never heard the audible voice of God. But I have been called to influence others, and so have you. If you have been baptized as a Christian, the Bible says you have been called to influence others. Now, Moses experiences this dramatic encounter. And I want us to look for just a few moments at all of the barriers, obstacles, excuses to influence that Moses brings up in this encounter. And I think that you and I will see that many of them are universal to each of us. Starting in verse 11, after God says, Go, I am sending you to Pharaoh, and you must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Burning bush, voice of the Lord, drama, climax, Moses, I have a great plan for you. Here is Moses' reply in verse 11. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of Israel? The first barrier to influencing others for God is, is your past. You see, Moses was called upon to influence others but he could only see what? The past. Basically, he says, I can't go back there. And why can't he go back there? Last time he was there, what did he do? He murdered someone. He was run out of town. He did not have a past that really solidified him as an influential messenger. And so he was focused on the past and the failures of the past. I contend today that many people cannot influence the present or the future because they're stuck in the past. They're stuck in their failures. 
They made mistakes. They said this. They did this. They didn't do that. All of these things are a barrier to becoming the influence on others that God wants you to be. Listen, if the past is what is holding you down, you've got to, got to look to really the solution to this. You know, God answered Moses and he says, look, I'm going to be with you. But, you know, ultimately, how do you get away from being chained to the past is you've got to look to the forgiveness of God. Look, I don't care what you've done. God can forgive you. All of us have done wrong, the Bible says, and we have fallen short of God's glory. Some of us have done it over and over and over and over. Well, guess what? It's time to look to the forgiveness of God to let go of our past failures and mistakes. There are people watching this today who can't be effective and move forward because they're chained to their past. They've got a metaphorical little demon on their shoulder who's bringing up all the bad things. And guess what? Sometimes the little voices come from people that we know, people that may not even intend to bring us harm, but they're being used by the evil one to remind you of your past. I heard a number of years ago a pastor or an evangelist said, when the devil reminds you of, his, of your past, it says remind him of his future. What you have to do is you got to let go of the past. You can learn from it. You can make changes, but you cannot be chained there. Moses was using the past as a barrier, an excuse to be able to be an influencer for God. But that's not the only thing Moses uses as a barrier, and he shows us. If you jump down there, God says, I'm going to be with you. But Moses, in verse 13, protested. God, if I go to the people of Israel and I tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're going to ask me, well, what, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? You know, basically what Moses is showing here is the second barrier to influence is pride. And you're saying, well, what, what do you mean, Pastor? What do you mean pride? He's focusing on himself. You see, we tend to make pride about haughtiness, and that is a form of pride a dangerous form of pride that says, hey, look at me, I'm awesome. But see, it's just as dangerous to be so focused on yourself and your, your, your inabilities that it's all about you. That's what pride is, all about you. If you have a personality that says I'm important or you feel confident and all that, well, usually pride manifests in haughtiness. But make no mistake, if you are focused completely on yourself and maybe you have a different type personality, pride manifests itself in insecurity. And woe is me. And what does everybody think about me? Guess what? They're not thinking about you. They're living their life. You see, you got to focus. If you want to overcome pride, focus on God. But pride is a focus on me. And if your focus is always on yourself, you can't influence others for God. Not long term. Now, you can influence others, but not necessarily for God. Sometimes your misguided influence will track with what God is doing, but rest assured, it will depart lanes. Too many people are so prideful in the opposite way. Moses was not pride in the, I'm important, but he was so focused on me. So what are they going to think about me? What are they going to think about me? It's about me. No, God replied to Moses and he says, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, that the I am sent me to you. Focus on God. You want to be influential for God. Don't focus on yourself. 
focus on God. If you're watching this today, you're listening, you're here, what is your focus? Is your focus you? What people think of you? What are you going to do? Or is your focus on God? Let me just tell you, there's a tremendous difference in the outcomes based on what your focus is. Many, many people want to be influential. They want to influence others, but there's, there's, there's an obstacle and a barrier, and it's their own pride. It's focusing on themselves. Moses throws out the first one, which is what? The past. Then he, then he lets us see his pride, which becomes a barrier. But God says that, that we're not going to let that happen either. Now we're going to go to number three. I want you to look. But Moses, after he says, tell him I am sent you. God's, I'm doing this. Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me or they won't listen to me? What if they say the Lord never really appeared to you? Now how many people can't be an influencer for God because of doubt and uncertainty in their life? I mean, what if they don't believe me? I mean, you know, what if, they, what if they question my motives? Or what if they do whatever? I, I just don't know for sure. See, doubt and uncertainty are tools of the enemy to keep you from being the person that God wants you to be. And God gives a very interesting, long, several, several passages to Moses on this one. And I believe that God understands our doubts. And he recognizes our uncertainties. And so God begins to say, what is that in your hand, Moses? A shepherd's staff, he replied. He says, throw it on the ground. The Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Whoa! He had a staff in his hand. He throws it on the ground. God performs a miraculous sign and it becomes a snake. Then the Lord told him, now this took faith here, right? Reach out and grab its tail. So he throws, boys and girls, a, a staff on the ground. It becomes a snake. Then God's voice says, pick up the staff and, and, and grab it. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has really appeared to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, put your hand inside your pocket. So Moses puts his hand in his pocket. And when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. So the voice of God says, put your hand in your pocket, Moses. He puts his hand in his pocket, he raises it out, and his hand's full of leprosy or some kind of skin disease. The Lord says to Moses, now put your hand back in your pocket. So he puts his hand back in his pocket, and guess what happens when he comes out? Now it's completely healthy as the rest of his body. Then the Lord said to Moses, if they don't believe you and are not convinced by the first or the second miraculous sign, then here's what I want you to do. Take some of the water from the Nile River, pour it onto the ground, and when you do, the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. So Moses shows his doubt and his uncertainty. God sees that and he says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you with this, all right? I'm going to give you something to believe in. He gives Moses three signs, and this is a significant event, right? So I think that this is somewhat unusual. But oftentimes, God gives us a sign. But we shouldn't always crave it, because the Bible said when Jesus was here, recorded Jesus' words, it said, what, blessed are those who what? Who see and who believe but don't have to see, who don't have doubt, and who aren't always craving a sign. Number of people in the Bible got a sign. Gideon asked for a sign and God gave it to him. 
Thomas said he wasn't believing until what? He saw the nail prints in his hands. But many others who were championed in the Bible by their faith believed without seeing or getting a sign. But either way, the way to combat or overcome the barrier of doubt and uncertainty is faith in God. You have to have a faith that God is going to be able to see you through. I mean, if you believe that what you're doing is important, if you believe that what you're trying to do is influence others in the right way, then your faith has to be in God to be able to deliver. You know, when you, when you write a check, some of you in here know all about finances, right? So, so when you write a check and somebody doesn't take it, all right? Well, you say, oh, I'm not taking that check. I mean, what are they saying? saying they don't trust that it's going to be good. All right, but what if you go down there to the bank and, and you get a cashier's check or a bank check from them? Well, somebody might take it. Why? Because they believe that it's going to be good. Do you and I believe that what God's doing in our lives, He can make good on? I mean, do you believe that? Do you believe He can make good on your marriage, on your parental relationships, on your intrapersonal relationships, that he can help you think better, which are all things that are going to make us better influences for God. If we believe that, if we have faith in God, our doubt and our uncertainty become smaller barriers to what he wants to do. Now you would think, Moses, I mean, I'm, I can't say for sure, Oliver, but I would think that if I just saw a staff become a snake and I saw, you know, my hand do all that, that I'd be all in. I can't, you know, I, nobody can say that they're for sure till they're in it, all right? But I think that I would have been a little further along, but maybe I wouldn't have been, okay? And actually, hadn't we all seen things, and we know, but we still doubt, and we still struggle when we know that we know? So maybe we're really not different than Moses. And so he, he says, but, but Moses pleaded with the Lord again. He said, said, oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I really never have been, and, and I'm really not now. Um, even though you've spoken to me, even though you did all this, you know, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. What, is, what barrier is he doing here? I'm not good enough. Insecurity. I mean, listen, how many people can't be an influence on others because they're too insecure? They just don't feel like they measure up. They can't, they can't, they won't. Insecurity will mess up your influence on others. And it's really a product of our pride and focusing on ourselves and our lack of faith. How many people watching this today know in their heart of hearts, they know that they know that they know that God wants them to accomplish something great? to be an influence on other people, but they're allowing their insecurities to be a barrier to what God is doing. I want you to hear what God said to Moses because I think it'll help you. Then the Lord said to Moses there in verse 11 of chapter 4, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord, See, we place way too much value on our input. That's just the nature of how we are because that's all we control. 
See, we don't get to control everybody else's input. We certainly don't get to control what they do with it. So the only thing that we can really control is our input. And our input, our effort is tremendously important. Don't hear me saying that. You give your best effort. You do your best. You do everything you can. But ultimately know that your input is the smallest part of the equation. It's God's outcome. It's God's influence that is on other people. And so you got to remember, look, Moses rightfully said, I'm not a good speaker. I, I, I get tongue-tied. God, God, I know you got this. Maybe he, some people say he was a stutterer. So, but ultimately, he was insecure in his ability to accomplish the task. How many of us feel insecure in our ability to accomplish the task? Sometimes rightfully so. You may not be the most qualified. You may not have the best traits, but guess what? Remember, human input is the smaller part of the equation. The bigger part of the equation is God. And so God is going to take your input that is measured in faith, and that's what's going to affect the outcome to influence others. Look, insecurity, the answer to that is the same thing that's without faith in God. you got to have faith in God to overcome insecurities. Tell yourself, you know what? God's got my back. I can do this with his help. It's not about me. All this builds on itself. I can be successful and influential with God's help. Certainly, after four times, Moses is going to be ready to go, Right? I mean, he's going to be all in. He's ready to charge the hill. He's ready to go charge hell with a water pistol. No. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send somebody else. Not me. I don't want to. What, what, what did Moses? Moses demonstrates fear. He's just scared. He's afraid. He has fear, and fear is a tremendous obstacle to influence. Many people are paralyzed in their life by fear, and that fear manifests itself many times in destructive behaviors, in terrible things that they say and do that they hate as much as the people that they're saying and doing them to hate. It, they just do terrible things, and, and it paralyzes them. It manifests itself in depression and anxiety and all these terrible things that fear is, is, is doing to them. Look, I love that Zach Williams song, Fear is a Liar. You, know, you, ought to, you ought to listen to that. Fear will destroy and paralyze your life. Now, whenever Moses comes up with this excuse, listen to what God's response is in 14. He kind of Gets a little serious. It says, then the Lord became angry with Moses. Have any of you kind of got angry with your kids? I mean, they ask you 10 times. No, not right now. No, now's not a good time. No, not now. Or don't do that. And they just keep on and they keep on. They just won't get it. it it's natural. This is a part of emotion. I mean, not none of my kids. My, my kids don't ever do that to any of us. As I'm sure none of y'all, it's only the people watching this, you know, out there on the video that we don't know. But no, because what? Sometimes we get frustrated. You realize God gets frustrated? People, that's, that, that's a fact. He gets frustrated when we don't do exactly what we should. He loves us. He certainly doesn't give up on us, but he does get frustrated. Boys and girls, just because your parents get frustrated with you doesn't mean they don't love you. Just because they may get angry sometimes, it doesn't mean they don't love you. Sometimes it's the frustration and the anger that demonstrate love the most. 
But God here gets frustrated and angry with Moses. He says, and I love this. He says, all right, God, all right. What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he's on his way to meet you now. He'll be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with you, or both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesperson. He'll be your mouthpiece. So fear was this barrier. I can't, Lord, please just send anybody else. But notice what God doesn't do to fear. He doesn't give in to fear and say, hey, okay, you, can't, you ain't going to be able to do it. You ain't going to make it. No, what does he do? He, he sends somebody to help him overcome fear, his brother Aaron. Guess what? Maybe in your life, fear is an, a barrier to you becoming everything God wants you to be. Is God trying to send somebody into your life to help you overcome fear, to help you make it through? You know. And listen, at this point, Moses finally relents, and he says, okay, all right, I've offered up every excuse in the world as to why I can't do it. And a lot of them make sense. The whole process doesn't make sense. But you know what, God? You're here. You want me to be an influencer for the children of Israel, and so I'm going to go and do your will. Let me ask you a question. As Oliver comes to lead us in our hymn of reflection, <clears throat> are you allowing any of the barriers that we see Moses demonstrate for us in this story? You see, that's how we learn. We learn from other people's mistakes. You know, we learn from, from other people's experiences. You know, and in, in this experience with Moses, he was extremely influential. He was extremely used by God. If there ever was a person who really was be the moon influencing others, Moses was that guy. But Moses wasn't perfect. He didn't get it right the first time. He had every excuse and every reason in the world why he couldn't do it. Just like we do. Let me ask you a question. Are you and I going to allow the past, are we going to allow pride, doubt, insecurity, and fear to be the limiting factors in our life? Or are we going to Look to God's forgiveness. Focus on Him instead of ourselves. Place our faith in Him and ultimately give Him our future. That's how you overcome, overcome barriers to influencing others. This is what I hope for you, what I hope for me and anyone who may be watching this. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help each of us to look critically and honestly at our life to see which of these excuses we're using, which of these barriers we're allowing to prevent us from becoming an influence on others. Help us, Lord, to make a decision to trust you, to place our faith in you, to become who you want us to be. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.